Why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Valuetainment, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. How they run, homie, look what I become. This is Patrick with the host of ITM and today I'm sitting down with the one and only Rich Dad Poor Dad Robert Kiyosaki. We're going to talk about how you can make millions in an ex-market crash. Good to be back with our friend here, Robert Kiyosaki. Thank you so much for making the Thank time. Thank you. Congratulations on your success. Yes, congrats on this $41 million. Are you kidding me? How does it feel knowing you have inspired so many people around the world to, with a simple concept, a diagram that so many use, the EBSI from an employee... I'm sorry, employee to self-employed to business owner to investor. How does it feel you know and you've impacted so many people to make that shift? It's quite humbling, you know, because um, I almost didn't finish school because I, I kept flunking out of school because I can't write. So to be an international writer is a, it's a miracle. <laughs> I, I bet your, your teachers, you know, if, if they had to see that that's taking place, I wonder what some of the critics who knew you at that time would be saying about 41 million copies today. But let, let's talk about some of the stuff that's going on today. You know, the market is an interesting market today. I'm kind of curious to know what you got going on. Obviously, you wrote a book called Who Stole My Pension, which we'll get into here in a minute, but um, it's an interesting market. That was at 29K, you know. You got Brexit's about to take place, January 31st, you know, 2020, they're kind of going through that to see what's gonna happen there. You got the Iran-US conflict, right? You got the trade war with China, you know, that's taking place, and there's some more going on right now with Japan, but they're kind of getting the deal going, right? You got Venezuela still having some issues with Maduro and Gaido with their oil. You got U.S. with politics. It's a very divisive time with mainstream media and Trump and impeachment and all this, just all this stuff that's going on. Um, a lot of people see that as a scary time, a market crashes around the corner. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna lose everything, I'm gonna go through this. How does somebody like you, from your lens, how do you view today's economy and what's taking place? Well, first of all, the reason I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad was because I knew this time was coming. And we have, as a world, have never been here before. And so is it a spooky time? Damn yeah, it is. A, it is probably the most dangerous time ever, 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 ever. There's, there's nothing to compare it to because there's never been a world economy before. For example, you know, 100 years ago, if there was a stock market crash in England, it didn't affect anybody. Mm. But now the U.S. market goes down, the world goes down. So plus with social media and all this we're doing now. and So we've never been here before. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited about it because... I make more money in crashes than I do when they go up. So, but for the average person, they'll get wiped out. I'm afraid at the worst, I hope I'm wrong, but I think we're heading for a global depression. Global depression? Yeah. What does that look like? Depression, I mean, people are depressed. The economy stays down, it's hard to come back up. And now the good news is, is that for those who are prepared for it, like you and things like this, you'll do better. So not everybody dies in a plane crash, some plane crashes. But. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the last crash in 2008, you know, I was on Wolf Blitzer's program uh, six months before Lehman Brothers went down, and I said Lehman was going down. <laughs> and nobody listened, but it went down. And so I've been expecting this market to go down for quite a while. And I'm concerned about my fellow, my fellow human beings 
But as you know, most Americans are clueless. You know, they don't know what's going on. But you know, if you travel the world, I, I just, I just, I just got back from Africa and China and Japan and New Zealand. People are scared. You know, Australia was, hasn't had a recession in 30 years. It's in recession. But Americans are fat, dumb, and happy, having a good time, which is good. But I'm concerned. That's all I can say. I, I'd be, I'd be afraid if I had kids. You know, you'd be afraid about having kids today. If I had kids, no. I, you know, I, I think as an adult, you can go hungry, but you don't want to see your kids go hungry. And that's what's going to happen. Do you think it's going to get that bad? Yeah. Now, l- let me ask you this. What is the biggest factor that's going to cause that? Well, the reason I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad is the U.S. dollar. You know, that's my book over there, Fake, which came out last year. Fake money, fake teachers, fake assets. And the U.S. dollar is fake. Never in the, never in the history of the world has any fake money ever survived. And we're doing the same thing. We just keep printing this money. And when I wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad 20, almost 25 years ago, people said I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, I said, I said savers would be losers. Now, today, there's quantitative easing, which is counterfeiting mm-hmm, money. Mm-hmm. And then you have zero interest rates. And people are still saving money. Are you nuts? They just printed, I think, $500 billion in September of this year because the repo market is going down. And the average guy goes, well, what's the repo market? They don't know. So that's why it's fake money, fake teachers, fake assets. Our, our education system, it has been my rant forever. Why don't we teach people about money? Why is it? We all use money, but we don't teach people about it. So that's why I'm concerned. And um, I wrote this book, Who Stole My Pension? It's already sold out. But I wrote Who Stole My Pension because was the reason I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The two authors here, me and myself, uh, Edward Sedell, we both had dads who lost everything. And when I was in my 20s and my dad, my poor dad lost everything, it scarred me. And I said, I'm never going to let anybody ever do that to me. So I had just come back from Vietnam in 73. My dad was unemployed, Porto was unemployed, and he tells me to go fly for the effing airlines. I said, are you kidding me? And he says, go back to school, get your master's and get your PhD. I said, are you kidding me? Here the guy is, unemployed. He's got no pension, he's got no paycheck, and he's telling me to go back to mm. school. I said, what, learn nothing? You know, and those guys who, my, uh, you know, my friends who flew for United Airlines, mm-hmm. they're broke today. There's pension, their pensions were stolen. U.S. Air, same thing. You look at what's going on in Paris today as we talk, they're rioting. Millions of people are rioting because of pensions. Japan, they're rioting because of pensions. Terrible. You see them. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And Americans, oh, on how my 401k is doing. I'm going, gee, I'd be a little bit worried. But they don't know. Americans live in a fishbowl. You know, they can, everybody sees in, but Americans can't see out. So, like, I travel the world constantly. Mm -hmm. And what I see going on in the world is disturbing. I was just in Argentina, and I took my kid brother there, and he came back a changed man. He says, you weren't kidding, were you? I said, no, I wasn't. My, my brother could not believe that what, I, what happens in Argentina is going to happen here. It's terrible. It's 12 million people working to support uh, 9 million people in Argentina with an inflation of 31, 32% right now. It's, it's a... Uh, uh, absolute uh, travesty what's going on over there. And you, yeah. 
And when you look at Argentina from America, you're like, oh my gosh, it's the, you know, Europe of Central, it's a Europe of Central America. You know, when you go to yeah. Argentina, it's such a beautiful place, but... Uh, it's one of the most beautiful. Buenos Aires is spectacular. Beautiful place. Yeah. And it's got nice hotels, food, restaurants. First class. First class, everything. So why do you think sometimes, you know, the, the, the thing I'm always curious about is when we're talking about fear, Robert, what is the biggest difference between fear today versus fear 50 years ago versus fear 100 years ago versus fear 20 years ago? Isn't this a common thing? Like when market does well, economy does well, a few people are prepared for it. Most people kind of sit around, don't do anything about it. What's changed? And is that going to be happening 50 years from now, 100 years from now, where people capitalize and most don't? Well, that's a fabulous question because, you know, today when I refer to 2008, most people remember 2008. Do you know what I mean? That's when mm -hmm. Lehman went down, Bear Stearns went 38 down. 38% drop. Yeah, they, they all remember it. But when I started Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the only thing they had was the depression. You know, I, I came out in uh, 19, uh, 1997, Rich Dad, Poor Dad came out. And their only reference points was the depression. And none of the people I talked to remember the depression. So the fear today, I think people are a little bit wiser is because they do remember 2008, mm. and they do remember 2000. So 2008, two, I mean 2000, 2008, and here we are today. So I think most people are at least kind of tuned in. Uh, I hope it doesn't come down, but I'm afraid it will. That's, that's what I have to say. Most people more tuned in today because it was only 12 years ago when the last <laughs> market crash happened. I remember 08, 08 was pretty ugly. We started our agency a year later in 09, and That's AIG, the smartest thing you could have done. Yeah, believe me, it benefited us because we got a contract with AIG at the time and a few insurance companies and we started growing, but everybody was scared. And a part of you know, uh, uh, the business for us is fear sharpens listening. If you're able to monetize on fear, you can really do some yeah. stuff when the market changes. But I want to say what you did was really, really smart because the best time to start a business is right after a crash. I made more money after 2008 than I ever did my whole entire life because everybody was hiding like little cockroaches. You, wow, you made more money after 2008 yeah. than your entire life. Yeah, so when, you know, here I'm talking about the coming depression. Everybody says, oh, you're, you're such a pessimist, you know? I go, no, I'm excited. You know, I get sexually stimulated thinking about all the, <laughs> all the, all the bargains that are going to be on the street, you know what I mean? I mean, it's going to be bargains everywhere. But everybody else, oh, you're pessimistic. No, I'm actually optimistic. Mm. So anyway, so you're very smart. To, you know, when I study, I study business. Guys who start right after a crash do very well most of the time. It's, it's work for us, you know, whether yeah. it was smart, luck, or wise, or a little bit of all just of it, stupid. we'll take it. As long as we just did. Just admit you're stupid. Roll it. I don't yeah. care what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know what else to do, so I just started. <laughs> it just to didn't work that for us. <laughs> but so, so somebody's watching this, and okay, Robert, it's, uh, uh, you're saying this. While, you know, 2008, 2009, Dow drops off and it goes down to, I don't know what the number was, it goes down to 6,500 at one point. And I don't, don't know the exact month on when it hit, but it hit 6,500 points. And, 65, and, it, and it was at 14. And it was at 14, and it went to 65. So that's 50%. Yeah. You could have bought Ford stock at that time, I think like 75 cents or a dollar and all, all these other things that took place at the time. Everything was cheap to buy, right? So that takes place. And then we, you know, we go from 6,500 to 16,000 to 29,000. 
And I have a friend of mine where I said, hey, you remember that one book Harry Dent wrote? I don't know if you remember Harry Dent when he wrote a book talking about the fact that the Dow is going to go to 42,000, et cetera, et cetera, and the opposite happened, right? The great boom I had. The great boom, yes. And then there was the other book, which is like, well, it's going to be the opposite. The market's going to tank, and the market went up. So my buddy said, whatever Harry Dent writes, do the opposite. Okay, I don't know if you remember this book. <laughs> Harry, it's a friend of mine. Harry, what's the saying about <laughs> we're you? Not, it's, we're, we're taking your counsel, except my buddy says, do the opposite. And then there was another book that was written where you read Good to Great, and you're hearing all these stories he has in there about Fannie, you know, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. That book was a big book, Collins, for, for quite yeah. some time, the Red Book by Jim Collins. And the principles haven't changed, but some of the stories that the companies, you know, had changed, I think used Kmart and some of these other stores. So it's 29,000 right now. Somebody may be watching this saying, listen, there's a 70, 80% chance Trump is going to get reelected the way it's going right now. This impeachment's not going to go anywhere. He's going to get reelected. Joe Biden's not going to be able to debate against the guy. Bernie has some energy. Bernie, 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 but Bernie. But they're not going to let Bernie get the superdelegates because <laughs> the superdelegates are going to go to uh, Joe. Maybe Warren. Maybe it's a broker convention. Bloomberg comes in. He's setting up offices all over the place here, all over the country, spending all this money. He's worth $54 billion. He can do it. But there's the optimists that say, Robert, I don't know. I think Dow's going to go to 35, 40, 45. I think it's time to double down right now. You know, I think things are going to be good the next four years, five years. I just don't know six years from now, but I do know four or five years from now. What would you say something like that? So will you guarantee it? Absolutely not. See, I don't, I'm not in the stock market, so I'm, I'm not the guy to ask. And um, I just don't trust the market because it's so manipulated. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, that book on fake money, fake teachers, fake assets, the Dow. This book, Who Stole My Pension? I write about what is America's number one export. Do you know what it is? Mm. Toxic assets. You know, 2008 was, was Wall Street. Toxic assets. assets. Toxic yeah. assets. CDOs, MBSs. Yes. yes. You know, derivatives. Mm -hmm. And so what is it today? Wall Street just looted the pensions. So this book, Who Stole My Pension? It's like I said, my co-author is an SEC attorney. And he got sick and tired of seeing all these bankers loot the pensions and get paid bonuses. And then the labor union guys who manage the funds get paid bonuses. And the guys who manage it get paid bonuses. Meanwhile, the workers get screwed. So when this next crash comes, it's going to be horrible. Now you look at the other guys. So there's two authors, Ted Sedell, SEC attorney. His father was a CIA operative in Uganda. And Idi Amin killed his father. So his family went broke because there was no body. Mm. He couldn't collect anything because no body, no you know, corp, corpse. Whereas my father ran for political office against the governor of Hawaii, and he got crushed. And the governor says, you're no job, no paycheck, no pension. So my old man's broke. So Ted and I are about the same age, and we come back, he was, he said, my father has no money, my family's starving, my family was starving because my father lost everything. So it kind of put us on edge, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, I don't trust mm -hmm. my government. I'm, a, I'm not a Republican or Democrat. I like Trump, but they can't save me. You know, Trump, Biden, Sanders, I mean, it's a cast of characters, right? You got the Donald on one side, and then you got Comrade Sanders, a commie, and then you got Pocahontas, and then you got Alfred E. Newman, Buttigieg. Buttigieg. It's a, it's a, it's a reality TV show up there. <laughs> You're counting on the government to take care of you? I mean, 
<laughs> wake up. So you don't at all look at it as they have an effect over your net worth or your next moves? No. So, so your- that's, that's good. You want to make sure that no matter which who's in office or who, if it crashes, you're okay. That's the most important thing you can do to You me. don't pivot based on presidents? No, of course not. They don't affect me at all. You don't pivot based on presidents? No, I'm not a stock guy, that's why. Okay. So I'm a real estate guy. So and for I, you it's- I own businesses. So the Rich Dad Company does better in a crash. And apartment houses, they always do well because people have to have some place to live. Mm -hmm. And I want oil wells because people are always burning oil. So I always protect my assets that they're crash proof. So let me ask you, the average person's watching this right now saying, okay, Robert, I'm not like you. I don't run a company. I don't have a brand. I haven't sold 41 million copies. I don't have oil. I don't have rental properties. What can I do? I'm in a time like this. You're telling me the market's going to go in shambles here pretty soon because of currency. And we printed half a trillion dollars of uh, money in September just in one month, not including the $3 trillion we printed in the last seven years prior to that. What do I do to be prepared for a time like this? Well, first of all, everybody can do something, but they won't. And that's the problem. You know, the, the reason, you know, who stole my pension, there was plenty of money in it, but nobody did anything. They just stole it. And people did nothing. It's like I said, the, um, when the crash came in 2008, not one of those guys went to jail. They got paid bonuses. So there's something rotten inside America. And I think the problem with many Americans is they're complacent. They expect, well, it'll, it'll heal itself again. So the thing that everybody can do is, you know, like um, as I covered in fake, my first investment was a gold coin in Hong Kong. I bought a Kruger and I was flying, I was flying off an aircraft mm -hmm. carrier in Vietnam mm -hmm. and I went to Hong Kong and I bought a gold Kruger and. The date was 1972. The reason the date's important is because in 1972 it was illegal for Americans to own gold. So I had to smuggle, I had to smuggle that little puppy into America. I put it in my pocket, came off the ship, and nobody checked, you know. But I felt like a criminal as I smuggled this gold coin because <laughs> it was illegal for Americans to own gold after 1933 under Roosevelt. But that gold coin today is worth almost $2,000. The one gold coin? Yeah, and I still have it. So What'd cool. you pay for it? 50 cents, $50. $50 to $2,000, 1972? Yeah, it just sat there. So I have, mil I, and so I never, because I understand money, that, you know, quantitative counterfeiting <laughs> and zero interest rates, I don't trust the dollar. So for most of my life, I've saved gold and silver and not ETFs. I, I stay completely out of, pay. you know, I know that's your mm -hmm, world, but mm -hmm. my world is completely into the hard assets. Mm -hmm. So I have millions in gold coins and silver coins. I just kept saving it because I don't trust the dollar. So everybody can buy a silver coin today for 20 bucks. A silver, gold, a silver eagle is 20 bucks. But how many people will go to a coin shop and buy it? Probably none. Less than one-tenth of 1% 1 of Americans own precious metals. And silver today is 50% below its all-time high. So silver is the biggest bargain sitting in the market mm -hmm. as we speak today. You know, it's about 20 bucks, it should go to 50. So at 20 bucks, and I tell my friends, I go, oh, yeah, think about it. And that's the problem. So everybody can afford 20 bucks. You know, kids can mm -hmm, afford 20 mm -hmm. bucks. 
The thing is, people won't do it. And, and you know that, too, when you deal with people. Most people are pretty sedentary. You know, they, they want to do the same old thing. Sure. I'm happy. Nothing's going to happen. Oh, he's just trying to scare me. But I was talking to my doctor last night. You know, he says, you've been saying this stuff for 25 years. I never listened to you. I said, yeah, well, he says, now what do I do? Because his 401k, you know, as we cover in this book here, the average firefighter has about 1.2 million in pension, but there's nothing there. What do you mean? Their payout's going to be about 1.2 million. The average, the so average the, firefighter retiree has a 1.2 million dollar pension offer, payout. Yeah, they, that's how much they'll get paid out. Okay. But there's nothing there. It's a problem. <laughs> Meaning what? Meaning they don't have the money to pay the benefits? It was stolen. It was stolen by Wall Street. So how is that's that going to be fulfilled? That's why we wrote this book. How is that going to be fulfilled? Because I know one of the stats Taxpayer. you said, you said uh, by 2050, 2 billion retirees will be uh, above the age of 60. What was the stat you said about? Uh, okay, today is 2020, right? Mm -hmm. In 10 years, 2030, 2 billion baby boomers across the world will retire. Japan's broke. Argentina's broke. China's broke. Italy's broke. Germany's broke. All these old guys are retiring. And the stock market, you know, I was at, I live in a fairly exclusive place in South Carolina, and I was talking to my friends there, and they said, oh, we love Trump, we love Trump. Stock market's at all-time high. And I said, yeah, but so is our debt all-time high. See, they watch the stock market, they don't watch the debt. And the repo market, the repurchase market, is the biggest, one of the biggest markets in the world. And the Fed is bailing that one out now. So the average American is watching the stock market, but not watch what's really going on. So that's why I wrote, who stole my pension? So that means retirees, their kids, taxpayers will pay for the heist. So, so, so let me ask you this. So one is you said uh, buy coins, uh, whether it's but silver you don't, you or don't it's buy gold. gold coins. You don't buy gold coins to make money. You Long buy term. gold coins because the dollar is going to go down. So I don't trust the dollar. Anytime Buffett says, I remember when Buffett says, I'm buying, he bought $35 million of silver. I don't know if you remember that yeah. when he bought it. You're like, okay, be prepared because something's about to happen. Yep. Right? If he buys gold, just be ready in the next 6, 12, 24 months. He's anticipating some kind of a uh, crash to be taking place. He's well, right now in cash because That's he's, smart. Yeah, he's anticipating something to happen yeah. to buy up businesses and rebuild them. He does that all the time. And then he's going to go in after the crash. He's going to go after the crash. Now, the... The tragedy is, which I cover in Fake and Who Stole My Pension, so you have this defined benefit, which are police officers, firefighters, and school teachers mm -hmm. and union guys. Mm -hmm. Like the UPS drivers, <laughs> you know, they're pretty smart guys, those UPS drivers. They were getting a 5000 a month pension. They gave my haircut down to 850 a month. From 5000 Screwed them all. Now, this is every one of them, Robert, when yeah. you're saying this? From 5000 to 850 yep. how can they do that? Well, the, look at my friends who are airline pilots. They lost everything. They stole the pensions. Nobody talks about it. U.S. Air, they stole the pensions. The Teamsters, they got stolen by Wall Street. And nobody knows about it. Are they it. not insured? Well, it's, Are these it's pensions P not insured? PBGC, right, Pension Benefit Guarantee. They're broke. The, the, the defined benefit, which is the DB pension plan, teachers, firefighters, school teachers, mm -hmm. I don't have one. You probably don't have one. No. 
That was the industrial age pension plan, my father's pension plan. The PBGC was to back it up. Today, as we talk, if they had to bail out the defined benefit pension, it's anywhere from $9 trillion to $17 trillion shortfall. Look at CalPERS, California State Pension, $1 trillion underwater. CalPERS alone. And then now you got the 401k guy. The average 401k guy, at least a school teacher has a million too. The average 401k guy has 65,000. By retirement. The average 401k guy has 65,000 yeah. by retirement. And so when they, what, what the actuarials do, you know, you know those guys, right? The guys that put the numbers together, they lump in the guy with 1% in with a guy that got nothing. Mm -hmm. And it comes out, every American's a millionaire because the upper 1%, they're so of bloody course. rich. You know? Of course, They lift everybody else up. If they take the top 5% out, those oh. numbers will be a whole different story. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You, you add those billionaires in there, it shows the numbers to be much better. Yeah. It looks really good when you average it, you know. But when you look at the case by case, so the average the average 401k guy is 65,000 to 100k when they retire. That that's just America. So remember, Paris is rioting right now because they're trying to cut their pensions. Japan's rioting, Hong Kong rioting, Argentina, Indonesia. Everybody's the old guys like me are going to suck the system dry. So if anything's going to bring down the market, it's going to be pensions. Because I can't get, I, w I wish I could get younger, but I can't. So these guys are getting older and older. Every day that goes by, we get closer to the edge. And they're like lemmings, you know. So that's, so that's why my doctor, my medical doctor, yeah. says, I should have listened to you 10 yeah. years ago. So, well, you still got time. Okay, so one is some kind of a precious metal is one. As Two, for, for money. For money as, as a form of yeah. investment, long term. No, it's not even an investment, it's an insurance policy because the dollar is going to go down. So you buy it and you resell it or you buy it or you keep Just it? keep it. Okay, so long term, you buy it and you keep it and you yeah. set it aside. I never sell. Okay, so you buy it and you keep it. Okay, so that's one. So what else can I do today? If I know these bad times are coming, I'm a regular guy, what, do I, what else do I do to position myself better? Well, what a person does is what they can do. And since the average person has no financial education, they can't do much. So like, you know, I can short the market. I'll make more, more money as it shorts coming down. So I'm looking forward to it. But the average pensioner, they're handcuffed. They can't get out. If they take the money out, they're penalized 30%. They screwed them. Hmm. They screwed everybody. That's Wall Street the government, and all these guys. So what can I do? I'm one of them. What do I do? Does it go back to employee, self-employed, business owner, investor? Like, go find a business, go start a business, go reposition yourself career-wise? You know, is there a, a, a one, two, three-step process on what I can do to be prepared for it? Well, the next book I'm writing with a guy named Jim Rickards. You know, wrote Currency Wars and all that. <clears throat> next book I'm writing is called The Ravens. And Jim and I see eye to eye, you know, definition of intelligence. He says, you should have gold and you should have silver. You should have museum quality artwork. I don't have any of that. Museum quality artwork. Yeah. And real estate. Income producing real estate. Like you have, I have a friend in Panama. He has an avocado farm. He's, 
He says, I got out of, he's a Canadian, he says, I got out of Canada because Canada's in worse shape than America. Now, this guy's pretty, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, a bond trader. So he's sitting in Panama growing avocados. He says, because people have to eat. Another guy's friend of mine is growing blueberries. But another friend of mine, he moved up to, he was from Seattle, excuse me. He had a big house, his kids all moved out. So he converted the kids' bedrooms into one-bedroom apartments. So he put a kitchen and he put a toilet inside his little bedrooms. And so he now rents out four bedrooms. He's making more money today than ever before because a lot of workers commute to Seattle. So they come in, they check in, they come in on Sunday night, they check out Friday afternoon. It's at a little house, he's making more money. So the point is, everybody can do something, but you gotta figure out what you can do. Yeah, so to me, what I take away from what you just said right there is uh, use your creativity mm -hmm. to, to kind of position yourself in yeah. a way, whatever that could be, just yeah. think outside the box and be creative. It, Wait, it, don't short stocks if you've never shorted a stock, because you know how dangerous that uh, is. Oh, 100%, because it could flip on you and then you're- Oh, you, uh, you short uh, and then it goes up. Yeah. You're, uh, you're out. You're out, especially. Out of the I remember back in 01 when the margins, the 99, when the margins were, margin calls were coming up. I think there was even a movie named Margin Call uh, 15 years ago. But how about industry wise? So right now, when you're looking as a lens, so don't look at yourself as who you are today. Let's go back to you're out of the Marines, okay? You're, I don't know, 32 years old, okay? You're 30 to 35 years old. You've just started a family, okay? You're just getting married. You're just about to have a kid. You don't have a lot of money to yourself. Maybe you got 20, 30, 40, 50 grand. You know, you got something going on. But you know this is coming. And you're watching and saying, okay, this makes sense to me. I buy into it. This time is coming. How do I pivot now with industries that I can look at that could be good ways to position myself for 5, 10, 15 years from now? Again, if this is Robert 30 to 35, how would you position yourself at that time? You don't have a lot of money. Well, you and I are educators, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's something you should know about, you know, technology, all these cameras. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's called the Lindy effect. This Nazim Taleb wrote about it. He says, anything that's been new in the last 20 years will be gone in 20 years. What's gonna survive is old. So everybody thinks, well, technology is gonna make it. What survived is old. So the reason gold and silver will survive is because it's old. Bitcoin may not survive because it's new. So I'm not saying, I'm not telling you what to buy, I'm just telling you how to think. So Nazim Talib has a book called Anti-Fragile, which is good. Excellent read. Yeah, it was fantastic, yeah. he's a smart guy. Oh, yeah. But he writes about, you know how we have in school today, we're raising snowflakes. Mm -hmm. You have to have safe rooms, you, mm -hmm. can, you can't trigger, you can't say anything. You know. So we're raising a bunch of snowflakes. And he says the guy that's gonna survive is somebody who's not fragile, anti-fragile. So what he says is this, whatever doesn't kill you will make you stronger. So he says, when you go to the gym and you pump weights, you, you push 100 pounds, that means the next time you push, you might go 105. So bad times will make the strong stronger. And bad times will make the snowflakes weaker. weaker. So the thing is, get, you know, as my Mexican friends would say, get some cojones, you know, get some balls out there and get ready for whatever is coming. Don't run and hide and say, oh, Trump should have saved me or Bernie's going to save me. So the big thing is this anti-fragile is good, but another thing they should know is the bigger something gets, i.e. our banks, the more fragile. So the two big to fail companies are? More fragile. For fragile. More fragile. More fragile. 
And the, and the companies that will survive are like our companies because we're small. Nimble. Yeah. We make quick adjustments, well, quick the, moves. The, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? When I nauseam talent, anti-fragile, black swan. Skin in the game. Yeah, skin yeah. in the game. Great book, great thinker, you know. Mm -hmm. So you're working for a big company like Google. You might be safe today, but you might be gone tomorrow. Whereas you're a little startup, you might have a better chance. I'm not saying what it is, but there's something everybody can do. Like I said, everybody can buy a $20, $20 silver piece. Everybody can afford 20 bucks. But will they do it? No. They'll be at Starbucks sucking it down instead. So what would the 30 to 35-year-old Robert Kiyosaki do right now? What industry would you be looking at today to make your money? I'd be in this business. You would still be in this business? Education. Look at this. Content. Look at what we're doing. Wow. Look at what we're doing. You know, I mean, I have, I have several YouTube channels going out. I, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing, but I have young people doing it for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So I'd be with technology. Now, the cameras will be obsolete, but you can buy a new camera. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't invest in the camera. I'd buy a camera, but I wouldn't invest in the company. You know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, so mm -hmm. it's how you think about this right now. So just know that those who are in big companies who think they're safe might be at the most at, at risk. You know, if you're working for Bank of America or Wells Fargo, you might be at risk. So you would position yourself more with startups small, than the bigger companies. Small company. Incredible advice, by the way. Incredible no, I'm not, counsel. I'm not, I'm not, I don't like to give it. I'm just, this is how I think. It's great counsel, though, but it's great perspective yeah. that you're giving. Okay, so, so far, counsel on what to do with the marketplace is coming. We talked about some precious metals, silver and uh, gold. Buy them, never sell, keep them. Okay, great. You know, find a way to be creative, kind of like your friends. That house, four bedrooms, kids are gone. Put a bathroom there, sell them. You're making rent them. You're making money. Then the next one is don't work for a big company. Work for more nimble, smaller companies, and maybe content creation, education, Use the uh, 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 platforms that we have, right? There's something you said which was very interesting to me. You said the fact that we are printing money, we're in debt, and your friends when you're in South Carolina at this exclusive community, they're saying, I love Trump, the market's doing great, it's down at 29000 And they said, but also the debt is at the highest it's ever been. So here's the uh, uh, way I see this, and I'm curious to know how you process this. Do you think the reason why we're not really having the conversation about the big elephant in the room, which is the, you know, say $100 trillion of unpaid uh, commitments that we have, not including the $22 trillion of debt that we have. We have Medicare, Social Security, we have all this unpaid commitments that we may not including that debt we have to Russia, to Japan, not Russia, to China, to Japan, all this stuff that we have to pay for, right? Do you think the reason why none of the presidents are really talking about it is because if they do, it's not a eight-year fix. So whatever they do, if they campaign on it, it's a 20, 40-year fix. So because they have no influence to fix it, so they're just kind of letting it go to the next president? They can't fix it. Do you think that's why they're not talking about it? And all they're doing is inflaming people. You know what I mean? They just talk about, well, Trump and the zipper, <laughs> you know, immigration and impeachment and all this. It, it doesn't, they can't do anything. So, so does that say that the current model of how we pick presidents, is that an effective model? Because, you know, if they can't do anything, like why would I want to campaign around paying off the national debt when there's nothing I can do about it in four years? Because the GDP is what, 3.6 trillion, national debt is 22 trillion. Even if I took the GDP and I made no one, no one make any money, everybody paid taxes 100%, 3.6 trillion, in four years, I wouldn't even pay off half the debt that we have.
No, and, and that's why, you know, Pocahontas, Elizabeth Warren, talks about tax the rich, AOC, tax the rich. Well, I hate to tell you this, but the rich don't pay taxes. <laughs> I covered it in fake. It's, it's, it's pretty pathetic, you know, I and mean, it's legal. You're, but you're laughing at what, though? What are you laughing at? How stupid our reportners are. <laughs> Are you, are I mean, that's why I love these guys here. I, I love what these guys are doing because they would never let me say this on CNBC. MSNBC would never let me say what I'm saying. But now because of YouTube and all these, you know, the, the, the little, little guys popping up, yeah. we can say what we want. That's it's right. freedom of speech, except in school where I can't say anything. But anyway, you know, this is the best time of all, but it's also the most dangerous. And that's what Nazim Tal was talking about. If you're anti-fragile, if somebody punches you and you fall down, you go, thank you, I'm gonna come coming back stronger. You know, that's kind of what's gonna save you. But if you're the guy who is, oh, you have to put me in a safe room and you can't say anything that triggers me, whatever those guys, those kids say, I don't want them, you know. They're not gonna make it. it, it there's something happening though. Here's, yeah. here's, there's something happening right now that's very weird. I don't know if you watch the, uh, uh, Golden Globes, is that what it is? The Golden Globes, Ricky, Jar Ricky uh, what's Gervais. his last, Gervais? Did you watch Ricky Gervais's monologue at the Golden Globes? No. Oh my, you, it's eight minutes. After this, with your wife, watch this eight minute clip. I'll text it to you if you watch okay. it. It is absolutely incredible. Because what I notice happening with politics today is the snowflakes are giving birth to people who are so sick of it and the people that are sick of it are not Republicans. It's everybody. It's like because now the snowflakes are kind of offending Democrats. Republicans can't say this. You can't say that. You can't say this. Comedian can't say that. Comedian can't say that. And the comedians are like, leave me alone. I just want to tell a joke, right? <laughs> and so I almost think today. Let me tell you a Rodney Dangerfield joke. <laughs> tell me. Tell I, me. No, I could never tell it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was so funny. He was. They, they'd hang him today. They would. Yeah, that would probably happen today. But, you know, so, so today's comedians are like, listen, man, I feel like I'm handcuffed. Let me tell a damn joke. Yeah. But, but I, I think uh, content creators are pissing off ABC, oh. CNN, Fox, NBC, all those guys. I was just on a vacation with Steve Burke, NBC Universal. Mm -hmm. He says, we're in the spot right now. He's he, saying that? He's, he, he's resigning the next year. The biggest media company in America, he says, you can so I told him about my little YouTube channel. Said, you guys are killing us. He said, you guys are killing us. Yeah. This is the NBC CEO saying you guys are killing us. Yeah. Streaming and all this, they can't compete. They're, they're, they're spending money to lose money. And by the way, didn't they just start a, they're launching a streaming company, something like that? Yeah. NBC just announced it, right? Yeah. End yeah, and, and, and end of spring. And by the way, Disney's streaming company after two months is already valued at $100 billion. Yeah, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's valued at $100 billion already based on what Business Insider and some of the experts are saying. So, you know, but going back to it with the debt, what, how do, let's, you get elected today to president. First of all, say you're campaigning on debt and you cam your campaign is, we have to pay off this $22 trillion of debt and you bring awareness to listen, no matter what we're talking about, this debt is coming. If you think you love your kids or your grandkids, here's what they're going to be facing. This is the situation they're going to be in. And I'm going to sit down and be like, oh, my gosh. Okay, let me see what this uh, uh, presidential candidate, Robert Kiyosaki, has to say. Boom! You get elected, you win. You're president. What are you doing with the long-term debt to be able to pay that off? Long-term. Resign. 
I don't, they can't, I, I don't see a way out. Robert, I, you're saying there's no way out with the debt. Do you see a way out? I don't see one. I don't, I'm curious to know what you, I, I don't know, how, the math doesn't make sense to me. That's why what, what uh, Talib is saying, Nazim, you want to get smaller right now. You don't want to get bigger. You know, it's almost like being a Navy SEAL. You want to get into a small team. Like at Richdale, we have a small team. We trust everybody. We know everybody. Been working together, most of us, 25 years. And we don't let anybody else. It's a little tight little group. So small is bigger, not big is bigger. Small is bigger, yeah. not better, big. Better, better. Small me. is better. Let me give you one more thing that's, that's going on, which I just, because I like to study trends. Back in the dark ages, every little town had a church in, in Europe and Asia. They all had this little church, right? Everybody rallied around God or Jesus or Buddha, whoever they rallied mm -hmm, around. Mm -hmm. Then during the industrial age, they rallied around like the war heroes, like the, you know, the, the Marine Corps, the, the Marines raising mm -hmm, the flag on mm -hmm. Iwo Jima and Robert E. Lee and Jesus S. Grant. So it went from agrarian age of religious to industrial age with valor or heroes. You know what it is in information age? Mm. The victim. Mm. We worship the victim. When they start, you know, like they're tearing down Robert A. Lee statues. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not for slavery, but why are they tearing that down? That was history. You know, everybody's a victim today. Everybody's a victim, you know. So my friend, you know, they say, well, we should give the blacks back their money. We should pay mm -hmm. them for slavery. Mm -hmm. I said, good luck. Well, what about the American Indian? They got their land taken mm -hmm. too. What about the Japanese? We got locked away in internment camps. So everybody now, you raise your hand, I'm a victim. Everybody rallies around you. you know, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's right to be a victim. It's, it's not right to pick on people. But today, the people we were, are worshiping are victims. Look at when that Supreme Court justice was, the woman says, he raped me, but she couldn't remember that he raped her or something. I'm going, Kavanaugh. Huh? Kavanaugh? Yeah, yeah. I'm going, holy mackerel, the poor guy. She accuses him, but she can't remember. And everybody just jumps all over the guy. I, I thought you were innocent until proven guilty. But today, if you say you did, you said something, you said something mean, and then this, the whole world wants to jump on you because you, you created a victim. So what's going to bring America down is the victim mentality. And we're in the middle of it. That's Bernie Sanders, that's AOC. That's all of these guys who just, oh, look at all the victims we got. Look at all the homeless. Look at all this. Look at the student loan debt. I'm going, yeah, look at it, but giving them all money is not going to solve the problem. How do we get here? What's that? How do we get here? I don't know. You know, my, my standard pat answer is no financial education in schools. What do they teach you about money? So everybody knows in 1971, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Fake money. That's why I call it fake money, fake teachers, fake assets. As soon as they could print money, any time throughout history, they printed money, the money disappeared. It went broke. Every country that printed money went broke. We're going broke. U.S. is going down. Japan is going down. Europe's going down. South America's going down. Mexico's in serious trouble. Look at Venezuela, the richest oil country in the world. They're going down. Zimbabwe, going down. Because we're run by these klept, you know, klept, klept, kleptomaniacs or something. They're called politicians. Everybody's like, 
same as who stole my pension. The same guys that robbed the world are robbing their pensions. Highly, highly educated elites. I went to Harvard, went to Yale, went to MIT. I'm smarter than you, I know everything. Let me take your money. That's where we are today. They're all poor dads who think they're smart. You meet guys like that, right? They got, the they got their PhD, they think they're smarter than Jesus, you know. They make me nauseous. Yeah, feelings mutual. Yeah. They're filled, they're, they're all over the place in the financial industry, by the way. You see them everywhere. Yep. So, so, so your, your answer to the long-term debt, there's no solution. You don't think there's no, a solution? No, my solution is always the same. Pull back in, create your own little fire team. I'm a Marine, you know. We just create a little fire team. I have my accountants, my attorneys, my bankers, my, all, I, I have my little team. Go smaller. Put your own team together. I'm, Don't. I'm talking about country-wise. What's that? I'm talking as a country. I, can, I'm not gonna f I can't fix that. I'm gonna, I, can fix, I, can, I can save myself. What if Trump, Donald Trump, called, President Trump calls you to be as a counsel? How I, do we get rid of this debt? I'd would, still be, would you say I can't be part of the advisor because I, I don't think there's I'd a way? Still, I still hunker down. But how would you solve it for him if he wanted you as a counsel? I wouldn't. Or you wouldn't do it? No. Why should I? I'm going to get rich when it falls down. So it's irrelevant to you. So you're simply right. looking at it from the libertarian standpoint uh, uh, of I'm going to take care of myself and that's what I can control. And I have I'm, my team to help me with that. Everything else is out of my control. I'm not touching it. Yeah, but there's one thing that's different. Marines fight as teams. I'm my own fire team. I have the best accountant, the best attorney, the best banker, you know. You gotta have politicians on your team too. So if you if, hang on, the average guy has a financial planner. So you gotta have politicians on your team too. Yep. Trump is my friend. Governor is my friend. City councilman is my friend. Gotta play the game. Don't change the world. Change yourself. That's what I say to every person out there. Now, if you don't know anybody, let's say you're an employee of Google, you're screwed because you don't know anything. Who's your accountant? Who's your attorney? Mm -hmm. Can you read a financial? Do you know? Do you know how to trade a stock? Do you not? Do you, do you know how to short a stock? No, but my team can. So smaller is better at this point in time. Smaller is better at this time. How do you think? How do you think President Trump is? I know you and him wrote a book together. Two books. Uh, why uh, we want? Is it why we why want you to be rich? rich? And Midas Touch. Uh, and Midas Touch. Which, by the way, I read. Why we want you to be rich. And I have not read the Midas Touch, but I read Why We Want You to Be Rich. Yeah, you guys wrote two books together. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm not Republican or Democrat. I'm just, we wrote together as teachers. Like, like we're teaching right mm -hmm. now. I'm not trying to sell anything. Mm -hmm. and, and this was actually a good book I read. How, uh, how are you seeing how he's doing right now? If, uh, if you're looking at him from the outside, how's he doing right now as a president? I think he's doing great, personally. You think he's doing great? But... You know, he's got too many knives after him right now, as you mm, know. Yeah. But, you know, if he, he's got, he's talking to China, he's at, at least talking to me, he's talking to Kim Jong-un, he's talking to Putin, he's talking to people. He goes to Davos and he talks to people. And Obama, I'm not Republican or Democrat, Obama pissed everybody off. Did you know when Obama pulled up to China, nobody met him, but they rolled out the carpet for Trump. When, when Obama talked to Putin, they went. They got into a fight. So the so the so you know, Trump is a kind of a dictator. He is, but you need a dictator to talk to a dictator. 
you, you don't need a nice guy to talk to a dictator. Obama's a nice guy. He's from Hawaii. I'm sure he's a nice guy, you know. But <laughs> they laugh at him. And besides, he's a guy, that, there, was a, there was a book called Lucifer's Banker. It was Obama who paid Iran $150 billion. And that money came out of Switzerland. And I met the Swiss banker who released the money. And Obama released the money. The $150 billion. It didn't do any good. No. So Hamas got it. They mm -hmm. laugh at him. Do you know what I mean? When you were in school, if there was a bully, did being nice to the bully help? No. No. You either, you either go up and punch it out or run away. But you don't try and talk him out of being a bully. <laughs> I think, well, AOC could, you know, hi. <laughs> She's pretty cute. Yeah, I'll talk to her. <laughs> but it's like schoolyard, right? And that's what it is. So I was never the smartest guy. I wasn't the toughest guy. I played football and all this. But I hung out with the guys who were tight. You know, we just had a little, a little tight group. Got through school. You think he's going to get reelected? Yeah. He's going to get reelected. Well, unless something happens, if you know what I mean. Any plans to write another book together, you and him? We were going to in 2015. Then he called me and he says, uh, guess what? I'm running for president. And he announced it on my radio show. <laughs> I was the first guy. I said, well, congratulations, good luck. And I'm going to stand away, stay away from you. You said I'm going to stay away from you. It's a target. Mm. Do you know, in all the Caesars, right, there was like 300 Caesars. Only like 20 died a natural death. The rest were all murdered. That's what Ta Talib was, Nazim Talib, he says the bigger you get, the bigger target you get. He says the most successful country is like Switzerland. Who's the president? No one knows. But every country where you know the president, they're just big, they're fat, they're bloated. And the most successful countries are small, like Singapore. So that's why, you know, all the guys, so if you're small and listening to this program tonight, I would say you just pull your horns in, wait for the crash, but have your team together. You know, even, you know, I, I train as a Marine sniper. Even we had a fire, we had, a, we had a designated snipers. We fought as teams. We never go by themselves. And in school, they teach you to be the A student, do it all by yourself. Well, the A students are ruling the world. They don't know anything. Whereas I have my little fire team, you know, my accountants, my attorneys, my bankers, my real estate guys, my financial planners, we're kicking ass. Because we stay small, we stay low. Uh, let, let me ask you this question when you're talking about that team. Uh, when you're putting your team together, what are some things you look for as a team? And what does it take to build a stronger bond with your it team? Ta it takes time. Okay. That's all. Yeah. You know, because, you know, people, when it comes to money, people lie. So it takes time to build that trust. Can you trust this guy under fire? That's why I love the Marine Corps, you know. We may not have liked each other, <clears throat> but when we went into battle, we're all Marines. I could trust. So it takes some time to put a team together. Yeah, it and, and a lot of flakes out there too. So like a couple of my partners, we're 40 years together. 40 years together. Yeah. We know each other like brothers. It's the most important thing is trust, confidence, loyalty, integrity diligence, cover my back. Robert, do you consume content or no? Hmm? Do you consume content? What's that? Content online. Do you consume content? Oh, yeah. I study constantly. Who, what content are you consuming? Well, I love YouTube. 
you know, I'm always on there checking, you mm -hmm. know, I'm listening. If somebody says X and other guy says Y, I listen to both. I want to know both sides. That's what I love about YouTube. I can, I can check something. Mm -hmm. Like this, this Bitcoin versus gold argument. You got Peter Schiff and you got Max Kaiser. Mm -hmm. You know, I listen to both guys. So, you know, Schiff trashes Bitcoin and all this stuff. It doesn't hurt to listen to both sides. So that's why I love it. So you do it. consume content? Oh, God, yeah. I'm studying constantly. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Anything we should be thinking about right now, the last words I'll give to you on what somebody ought to be thinking about right now with the current economy and current place that we're in? Well, again, I, I, I love what Nazim Talib wrote. You know, you've got to be anti-fragile today. You can't be a snowflake. And our schools are pumping out snowflakes in mass. And I hope your kid isn't one of them because the, we screwed the kids. There's, the student loan debt is now bigger than 1.6 trillion is now bigger than the subprime debt. We've screwed everybody, including our kids. And that's why there's no financial education in school. That's why everybody's fake. I wouldn't trust a school teacher's advice for anything. Nice people, my whole family are school teachers. They don't know anything about money. Nothing, nothing. They want their pension and paycheck. Who would you listen to? If you're saying don't listen to teachers, who would you listen to? I listen to guys like you. I listen to Max Kaiser, I listen to Schiff, I listen to Talib, but I listen to all the whack jobs also, you know, because <laughs> they might be right. What I love about YouTube is so fast, you know, most of them like 10 minutes, you know. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm out. Max, yeah. I got my shot of a whack job. So having said that, this is the second time we sat down together. Obviously, every time we sit down with them, the conversation is just fascinating to, to get into Robert's brain and Robert's mind. So, Robert, thank you so much thank for you. being here. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Yes, thank you. We'll Congratulations do Congratulations on your success. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick. David, and I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.